Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us in person and online today. Thanks for being here. Uh, You guys glad that it's finally warming back up a little bit? Roads are clear. Sun kind of came out yesterday. Man, I'm so grateful for that. Um, really glad you guys are here, excited for this continuation of our series called Life Beneath the Surface. So walking into the new year last week and then today, I'm doing a little bit of work to frame up the entire year for us, and then we're going to do some deep work together as a community for really the next couple of months leading up to Easter um, on, on integrating our, our whole selves. If you were to go to Jesus, if you just had the privilege of saying, hey, Jesus, how's your spiritual life? It's, it's sometimes a question that people ask uh, in the West. Hey, how, how's your spiritual life or how's your soul? The, the response would be like, you mean how's all of me? Like, how's my life? Like, how's all of it? Because Jesus is massively integrated inside and out, and he invites us to be the same. In the West, we are so easily... Uh, moving into a compartmentalization of life. And so we're going to do that work together. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you're loved, safe, and welcome here. And we're really excited to walk with you, no matter what that means for your next steps. A couple of quick announcements for you. Um, our, this series, uh, this is the first time we're doing it, but I'm really excited. If you have kids that are in City Kids, uh, for the next six weeks or so, they're going to be modeling the teaching that we're doing in the auditorium together with our kids so that you have the opportunity to pair the conversations we're having as a church, the journey we're having in here with your kids. They're going to be walking through the same text on their level, meeting them where they are, and so you kind of have some dialogue with your family just integrated in that way. So that's pretty cool, Yeah. Very cool. That's why I've got Legos today, okay? There's a reason for it. There's a chicken on it, too. I was pretty excited about that. So, Or it looks like a chicken. We'll see what it is. Um, but City Kids are going to be modeling for the next six weeks um, some of the, the topics that we're dealing with. And so it's a really cool opportunity to just integrate our families. Now, I'm going to set this tone a little bit for today's conversation. Um, and then we're going to do a little bit of backward work because this is like part two of last week's message. By the way, you can always go back and catch uh, our weekend gathering messages on our YouTube channel or our podcast or on our website. Um, and so today is part two of, hey, who are we becoming? And, um, and so let me, let me just give you this uh, from Rich Velotis. He wrote a book called The Deeply Formed Life. I highly recommend it. He says, our souls were not created for the kind of speed to which we have grown accustomed. Thus, we are a people. He's just speaking of people in the West in general. We are a people who are out of rhythm, a people with too much to do and not enough time to do it. You guys feel that? Like even, right, even, even during the holidays and coming out of the holidays, it's like the e-brake has not been working for a long, long time and overdrive is in full motion. He says our lives can easily take us to the brink of burnout. Burnout, um, it seems, b- becomes an increasingly popular word depending on the, uh, the environments that you find yourself in. Um, and what I have found and what we teach even in our growth track is burnout seems to be less about doing too much and more about giving out of a place of emptiness. Doing too much definitely is a factor in it, but it's also that we are so empty 
that we have nothing left to give. Now, he says the pace that we live at is often destructive. The lack of margin is debilitating, and we are worn out as a people. He goes on. Yes, yeah, thank you. In all of this, the problem before us is not just the frenetic pace we live at, but what gets pushed out from our lives as a result, and that is specifically life with God. The conversations that I have most often is not that I don't want to have life with Jesus, or I don't want to adopt the spiritual disciplines, or I don't want to see change in my life. There are really two layers of conversation that I have most, most often. Not that people don't want to change, but that they don't know how to change. And they have so many pressures on the outside and on the inside, both externally out of their control and internal habits that have been developed over a lifetime that influence the way their life is lived and is just like trying to stay afloat. Do you guys feel like that? You know anybody that, that lives that way? Okay, it might just be a message for me today, but you're going to be encouraged regardless. So, so one of the questions that we ask often is how do we change? As people, as human beings, how do we change? And as followers of Jesus, listen, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you are loved, safe, and welcome. Our desire is to help you take next steps on your spiritual journey, point you in the direction of Jesus, but genuinely meet you where you are on that journey. And so I don't know if you've walked away from the church, never been to church, this is the first time you've ever been, or, or, or you've had exposures to different places around your life, and you've stayed away. Whatever you find yourself in on that journey, our desire is to meet you where you are. But part of it is also today this conversation of as a family, if you call City Church home, you're a follower of Jesus in this family, one of the central focuses that we have often is, hey, we want to be with Jesus, but, but that desire doesn't always lead to the things that actually lead to life, right? You guys feel that? Like a lot of things that you want to do that don't actually happen? So, so we want to be with Jesus, but then we don't have time to pray. We, we desire to grow into a person of love, to see our habits and our reactions and our personhood change, but our to-do lists are so long that, that we, we struggle to make any serious attempt, and anytime we try, maybe we'd like just an inch in that direction, and then we're met, met with guilt and shame and frustration when it doesn't go as planned. And most people, both in and outside the church, find themselves, even at times, I know it's not always like this, but it is so pervasive that it's either around the corner or right behind us if you're not in the middle of it. We feel hurried, anxious, far from God, even though we know he's right there, spiritually shallow and stuck in self-defeating habits. You guys feel that? This is the space of, of the world that we live in. And again, I, I said it earlier, most people want to change, and the biggest issue in the West, specifically within churches over the last century, is not that people didn't want to change, but they struggle to know how to change. And John Mark Comer just wrote a book called Practicing the Way that I'm going to recommend in just a moment. Um, but he, in, in that book, he gave a really cool observation. He said, one of the fallouts in the West when it comes to people following Jesus, being plugged into a local church, even if you're brand new to it or you've been in it in your entire life, one of the fallouts of this dance of people wanting to change but then struggling to actually see it happen, happen, like a desire to do it but not knowing actually how to see the progress of change. One of the fallouts, uh, well, he gave a list. Let me give you just a couple of things and see if you have, have seen these things in our culture, okay? He says one of the fallouts or a couple of these fallouts are we have in the West churches full of people who identify as Christians, but they don't live as apprentices under Jesus. 
And related to that, secondarily, he said there is a widespread cancer. I love that he uses this language. A widespread cancer of hypocrisy in the church that has infected the church. And there is a, what seems to be a large gap between Jesus' teachings and then people's day-to-day lives. So much so that, that we can no longer explain it away. If, if you haven't seen that in your own life, then you definitely know someone who the reason that they choose not to follow Jesus is because of the hypocrisy that they have seen either around them or in the immediate circles of influence that they have. Just a gap in what we say we believe and then how we live. He said uh, another fallout of wanting to change but not knowing how is that there are a generation, there, there's a generation of people who are simply disillusioned with faith, right? Like there, there are currently statistically a million millennials a year that leave the church and are just giving up on Jesus entirely because it doesn't seem to be working. And then at the same time, and maybe this is the most, the closest felt experience for some of us in the room, is there are many people who are very simply quietly aching for more of God, more transformation, but just feel stuck in their spiritual journey. You guys resonate with any of that? He's just making an observation of, of the culture around us. And again, if you've not been around Jesus or the church, and you know, some of those you might recognize, some of those you might not, that's totally fine. But if you're a follower of Jesus, it's one of the things we have to pay attention to. A desire to change, which we spent a lot of time last week on desire. Desire doesn't necessarily lead to formation and transformation. So Jesus offers us a better way as we look at what it means to not only desire to change, but actually experience change. And this is what we looked at last week, that we are centering and organizing our lives around the invitation to follow Jesus. When Jesus invites us to follow him, it's not an invitation just to learn information. It's, a, it's an invitation to organize our entire lives around being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what he did. This is what it means to follow a rabbi, to apprentice under Jesus. And so the work of the last three years here at City Church, by the way, in like a month and a half, City Church is turning five. Is that crazy or what? I know. So exciting, man. Um, and if you're a part of a city group, we're, we're asking you to um, participate in capturing some short videos just to celebrate God's activity in and through and around you. And then I think starting next week, we're also going to be uh, capturing videos in the lobby of just if you want to celebrate, like in one word, how would you describe God's impact in your life for City Church? So we're going to put a big celebration day together. I heard there's a food truck coming and some donuts with our logo on it, which make them take extra. Anyway, all right, sorry, this is a side commercial. All right, so if, if we're centering, organizing our lives, and listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you just need to know what is he, what is he inviting you into. Is it eternal destination? Well, while that's, that's absolutely true, it's massively incomplete. The way of Jesus is not just eternal destination, it's right now relationship. And so as Jesus offers us a better way, the last three years we have been Casting vision and structuring our, our church around a couple of things, specifically around spiritual formation. So here's the first book I was mentioning, um, and I highly recommend it if you want to pick it up. It's not very long at all, but really the last three years of work, anything spiritual formation-wise, Comer has summed up in this book, which is great. So Practicing the Way, it's a great book. Be with Jesus, become like him, and do as he did. He stole that from me. That's a joke. No, he didn't. Okay, I stole it from him. I stole it from Dallas Willard, and it's cool. Um, so really helpful. Um, so work like, like uh, uh, work from Comer, who was in Portland, incredible stuff, helping us apprentice under Jesus. In addition, another book I recommend uh, would be The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. Incredible book. Um, I got a phone call this week from uh, one of our good friends, Isaac. You might know him by the cool dude who plays drums and guitar and piano and sings, and you know, he does those things. So um, he called me just checking in this week, and he's like, hey, I got to quote you earlier this week, which immediately I'm a little concerned about, because I'm like, ah, you know, 
I, I've been quoted for, actually, I don't know if I've ever been quoted for a good thing, but I've definitely been quoted for some less good things. Like, uh, um, and so I'm like just kind of curious what the quote was about. And like one of my favorite things that I get quoted for is like, hey, let's, you know, anytime you want to do something, like get after it, put some energy into it. It's like, yeah, let's kick this pig, which means like, let's go, you know, like, all right. So I'm like, oh, what did I get quoted for? And he's like uh, uh, doing some, some courses uh, in school and they were talking about like your apprenticeship or your following of Jesus. How would you sum it up? And he's like, oh, my pastor says, be what Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did. And I was like, oh, thanks so much, man. Uh, but you're quoting me, quoting John Rock Comer, quoting Dallas Willard, quoting Jesus. So nothing new under the sun. I just want you to know, I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm just the guy that got here first, okay? So like when it comes to conversations around like what our church is doing, man, there are tons of influences that have helped us to get here. And these are just two of them. In addition to our sending church out of Vegas, Hope Church in Las Vegas, Vance Pittman, the lead pastor, his book is out there in the lobby for grabs as well. And so a lot of in, uh, being with Jesus and the intimacy around uh, um, the invitation to be with Jesus and then everything he wants to do being out of that relationship that comes from Vance and, and that culture. So there's a lot of really good things from the family of Jesus that allows uh, like the culture you experience here at City Church to to, to be what it is, the life-giving space. Does that make sense to you guys? just want to give honor and credit where it's due, okay? Just to make sure you, you're following me. So um, I hope you walk away with, you know, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what he did, and let's kick this pig, okay? I hope those things stick with you for the rest of your life. So the invitation from Jesus, it is indeed to follow me. It's, it, it's an invitation to a way of life, not just rearranging the mental furniture in your mind. But it was not only an invitation to be with him, but to follow him together. Jesus individually invites us to follow him, but it is always alongside others. So last week we looked at Jesus invite 12 individuals to follow him. But they would, whether they wanted to or not, by default as they followed Jesus, they would follow Jesus together. And so becoming like Jesus, doing what he did, they are both deeply tied to not only the practices that we, that we adopt, the things that we do, they do something to us, but then also the community that we practice alongside. You guys tracking with me? So here's what we talked about last week. Last week, I, I told you that we exist as a church to help people find their way to God from where they are. It's why we exist. It's why we were birthed five years ago in this city. And that, that means you, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, and that's our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers in Boulder to West in the world to see more and more people introduced to the love of God and the family of God. Now, it doesn't stop there because it's one thing to have a mission. It's another thing to carry that out. And we do that by practicing the way of Jesus together in Boulder. So today, last week, we talked about the way of Jesus and being with Jesus and, and having our, our hearts and our minds and a vision of God's love big enough that it keeps the desire moving forward of wanting to walk in this way. It's not guilt and shame motivated. It's invitation. Today, I want to talk about practice and together, that we are together practicing the way of Jesus. So let's go back to last week's text. And, uh, and then we'll do the work together. Okay, so Jesus, this is just one of many moments. You can find this, like, I highly recommend for you if you've not read through, like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, like, any of the four Gospels, the, the eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, that you would do that yourself. And you would see that this paradigm on Jesus' life, it's saturated throughout his life. So this is not like, let's pick and choose one little verse to give us a paradigm to build our structure of a church on. No, this is modeling the way of Jesus. And this is just one snapshot. So Jesus goes up on a mountainside and he called to him those he 
desired, those he wanted. We talked about that last week. But the posture is that Jesus wants a relationship with you no matter where you are, where you come from, what you've done, and what you believe. And they came to him. And he appointed 12 that they might be with him. Right? That's the big emphasis. What's the job? That they would be really good people. That they would go to church and read their Bibles and pray a lot and, and, and try to give cookies to their neighbors on holidays and like, not say any curse words except for when they, you know, they stub their toe. Like, what, what does he want them to do? To be with him. And that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And so uh, we talked about this, that the invitation from Jesus is first and foremost relationship, and it involves apprenticeship. So last week I gave you this quote. I'm going to give it to you again. This is amazing. Uh, This is to Brendan Manning as he joined uh, the the priesthood. Uh, An older Franciscan uh, priest said, once you come to know the love of Jesus Christ, nothing else in the world will seem as beautiful or desirable. Let it it sink in for a minute. C.S. Lewis would say that the most important thing about you and I is what you think about God. And it might be worth arguing that maybe one of the most important things alongside that is what we think God thinks about us. Once you come to know, this is relational. Not like you know about Coach Prime get to claim him locally. By the way, anybody knows him, you need to invite him to City Church, okay? That's side note. You can know about Coach Prime, but to have a relationship with somebody is very, very different. Once you come to know the love of Jesus, both experientially and relationally, nothing else in the world will seem as beautiful or desirable. So so that's true. We talked about that last week, that if you can get this in your heart and your mind, it changes everything. Everything about following Jesus becomes exciting and life-giving and full of vision that desire is cultivated in the right direction. We talked last week about setting your attention and your affection of your heart and your mind on the way of Jesus when there's so many things competing with our attention and our affection. And so this is just, how how do you get your attention and affection back to Jesus? You set how really good it is right in front of you. You take some time to let it really sink in. And listen, friends, this is not like I did it once when I was 16. This is like I have to do it every day when I wake up. Be with Jesus. But we still can't wing apprenticeship to Jesus and hope that we turn out all right, right? Like we can't just leave it to a whim. I'm not going to drift into becoming a good husband or a good father. I'm not gonna drift into becoming a more patient individual. I'm not gonna drift into becoming a generous person. I'm not gonna drift into being selfless or more empathetic or less concerned about what other people think about me. You guys recognize that, right? That's not really what happens in your heart. You don't just wake up at 42 and you're like, whoa, I am so patient that said no one ever. You don't drift into the character arc that you're after. Definitely don't drift into the way of Jesus. So one of the questions that we're asking as as followers of Jesus is, do the people progressively around me, just think about your own personal life and your relationships, okay? Would the people around you who know you best, would they say that you are becoming more loving, more joyful, and more at peace? Are you more patient and less frustrated? Are you more kind and gentle? And are you you softening over time? 
Is your life being pervaded with goodness? Can people see that for, and it's over time, it's never in an instant. Are you becoming the kind of person who is faithful in the really hard times? Are you experiencing more and more self-control? And you really don't have to look very far to see if those things are true about you. And if you're like me, they're like sometimes true and then sometimes not. You're like, look at all the progress I made. And the second you say that, then you screw it up. You're like, dang it. So very simply, be with Jesus is a great starting. It has to be the starting place. You guys tracking with me? We just can't stop there. It's not enough to just put our affection and our desire in that direction. How do we change? Let's go to that same text again, and let's, let's just put a different emphasis on it. Jesus went up on a mountainside, and he called to him those he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach. Again, that word can mean proclaim, and to have authority to drive out demons. You see the plurality in the text? We can do this anywhere in the scriptures. Over and over again, there is no invitation to follow Jesus in isolation. It's always communal. And it's kind of hilarious because you and I know that we become like the people we hang out with, right? Well, you know that. It's like some, somewhere, sometime in grade school, they're like, you know, you, the people around you, that they, they form you. It's why the teachers reorganize the class. <laughs> when, when all the loud kids are over here talking, and they're like, and you have a new friend. Welcome to right over here, right? We can do that in grade school. Why? Because you become like the people you hang out with. Uh, my best example is like the ridiculous things that you start doing. Like um, I, had, I had a friend um, in high school, and she had the craziest laugh ever. Like, like almost like a goose honking meet, meeting like... Um, like one of those old school like car horns. You know what I mean? Like it was like, and it was always drawn out. I'm not even gonna try. It's embarrassing for me to try to do. Um, it was her laugh. And I mean, it wasn't, she wasn't trying. It was just the most incredibly obnoxious, loud laugh that you could possibly imagine. And she, she was so easy to get to laugh. Like I'm not funny really on, on purpose, but accidentally I'm funny often, which is great. And so I can make her laugh all the time. And it was always like, <clears throat> I did it anyway. Look at that, anyway, sorry. And Taylor, if you're listening, that didn't do you justice at all. Love you very much. Um, I'll give you a recording one day. Anyway, what was really interesting is uh, uh, we had some people start hanging out with that group of friends. And one day I'm in a room and Taylor laughs, which is normal and it sounds just like Taylor. And then someone else laughs like her. And I'm like, that is not your laugh. I know exactly where you got, you stole that laugh. You didn't you, you just think that's cool. So you just, right? And I was amazed that all of a sudden someone else is, is laughing like Taylor. You're like, okay, that's not a good example. That's fair. Okay. But the idea is we become like the people that we hang out with, right? For better or for worse. So, so these guys, they choose to follow Jesus. And, and I love it, right? They came to him. It's, it's invitational. No matter where you are on the spiritual journey, it's all invitational. They came to him. Be with you. Like none of it is like, oh, you better or, or feel really bad it's, no, no, it's, man, check out the incredible treasure right in front of you, the invitation to have a relationship with the God of the universe who made you, loves you, has plans, purposes for your life, and wants to walk with you in it. It's amazing. Who can help you become the person you were created to be, and they came to him. These guys didn't choose each other. In fact, they were the least likely crew. If you go look on your own time at the 12 people that make up this crazy crew for Jesus, they would not have chone, chosen each other. In fact, some of them were enemies. <laughs> some of them were literally on both sides of the political spectrum, and it would not have gone well. They didn't choose each other, but Jesus chose them, and he chose them together. Are you guys tracking with me? 
I know this might feel like a belabored point, but in the individualistic West, where we have garage door you know, openers and closers and we can just do our own thing, it's so easy to be saturated around people and not know anybody, not be connected in community. So part of following Jesus is that he was going to help these 12 guys become the kind of people that would eventually choose each other. Does that make sense? They would not have chosen each other up front. But following Jesus, they would become the kind of people who would choose one another. But community with Jesus was rarely pretty. It was rarely easy. It was riddled with challenge and conflict and dysfunction. Does that sound familiar to you? And the only reason, if you don't experience a lot of that on your own time, it's just because you distance yourself from it. It still exists. It's still there every day. Eugene Peterson, he's a, a, an incredible, incredible man, but uh, he, he translated the Bible uh, from, from Hebrew and Greek into uh, the message translation of the Bible, if you guys have ever used that. It's a great kind of paraphrase on his own. After translating the entire Bible, here's what he said. There are no successful churches in Scripture. <laughs> he, he does the whole thing, translates the whole thing, and he's like, yep, they all suck. <laughs> like, they just... They, they never get it right, like, like there's always, you know, every letter is like a fix this and change that, and they're all working together, becoming a people, but there are no successful churches in Scripture. And so then Jesus shows up, and this is what they're teaching in City Kids today, in Matthew 22, someone asks him, hey, Jesus, what's the most important law, like the most important thing that we, that we, that we give our lives to? And they expect to hear uh, him respond as a, as a good Jewish rabbi, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then... Right when, when they, they, they feel good about the answer, he comes back and he says, hey, and the second thing is equally as important, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus says, hey, the most important thing that you were created to do was to have a, a love for God and a love for people, to become the kind of person that is in relationship with God and loves others well. And the challenge with that is Jesus says, this is the most important command but it is not the most natural. Would you agree? In both, to love God and to love people. It's way easier to love myself on both occasions. Everything about my life drifts toward love of self unless it's intentional. So let me give you a couple of just helpful, nice little you know, loving jabs in the side to make us all feel better, okay? Andy Crouch says it this way. He says, all real change comes from a group of people around the table. Any significant change that you want to experience in life comes through intentional community. Joseph Hellerman says it this way. Long-term interpersonal relationships are the crucible of genuine progress in the Christian life. People who stay also grow. People who leave do not grow. Because your best chance at becoming a person of love is loving, er, learning to love the person right in front of you. And I would like to acknowledge for a moment, we live in a very transient city. And so staying, I don't think means, it could mean, you know, you're planted for life somewhere. But odds are in Boulder, that's not how it's going to roll for you. So average, you get three to five years in Boulder or whatever. That's actually still a large, significant part of your life and God can do amazing things in six months if you let him. God can, I, I can't remember who said it, but God can do more in a moment than you and I can do of our own effort in a lifetime. And so let's just give him every moment that we have. 
and acknowledge that wherever we go from here, if God moves us away from this city to other places, we could apprentice to Jesus in those places as well, be a light in those places and see the family of God grow alongside it. But here's the deal. The best fruit comes from the deepest roots. And if you want to see the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, if you want to become that kind of person, you've got to be rooted in a couple of things, relationship with God, relationship with others. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way, uh, those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself, as in the one right in front of you, become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? If I love the ideal version of you more than I love the person in front of me, then I will sabotage both. If I love the ideal version of my family, if all day I'm working and I'm doing, you know, washing cars, or I'm doing whatever I'm doing in meetings, and I, and I have this picture-perfect idea of coming home to greeting at my door with my little fluffy dog and, and, and my kids and my wife say, welcome home, we missed you so much, and then we all sit down to a fantastic meal together and we talk about our day and my kids are not arguing and they're uh, encouraging one another and, and, and I haven't said anything stupid for the first 15 minutes. I mean, it's a great night right? Like, I mean, it's so good. If I have this picturesque idea of what I want to see in my family, and I walk through my front door, and it doesn't look like that, there's a very good reality that I have now sabotaged both moments, because I'm going to struggle really, really hard to love the situation I just walked into. You guys been there? I've got to learn to love the brokenness in front of me, the, the struggle in front of me. We must embrace, so here's the invitation, guys, listen. And it's all invitational, okay? So no, no matter where you are, I'm not asking you to sign a paper today and like commit forever to city church or whatever. Like, like it's, not, it's not like that. But we must, if we're gonna apprentice under Jesus, we must embrace this church or whatever church you wanna call home if you're still looking. Embrace this church this pastoral team, the people to your right and to your left, you must forgive the shortcomings of those right in front of you, those in your city group. Celebrate the strengths right in front of you. Community is always a non-abstract journey into facing reality. We've got to deal it right now together. You guys tracking with me? Does that make sense? Okay. I, I know you know this, but then it's so easy to drift the opposite direction. So we started city groups last week. Put your hands together, well, well done, super, super exciting. A couple of quick invitations for you um, because community is essential. We prioritize two very clear ways of connecting here at City Church, large groups and small groups or weekend gatherings and city groups, that's, that's what all we do, weekends and groups, that's all we do as a community. Shoulder to shoulder, face to face, all of it's massively valuable. They have very different expressions. On the weekend, you can use your gifts, you can worship, you can recenter your heart, your desire, your affection, your attention, you can serve, you can build up. It's great to come together on the weekends. It's where we receive vision for life throughout the week and live on mission together. But then we need the accountability of 12 to 14 people who know us and we know them, and they love Jesus, they're committed to us, and they can walk with us through life. You can't get that on a weekend. And so this week, as our groups are kicking off, um, we asked all of our groups to review the four C's of community, or rather just the expectations, the commitment. Like, what does it mean to be in community in a city group? 
And I just want to give them to you to like, help you know, hey, this is what it looks like to real-time practice the way of Jesus together. Number one, we just want to acknowledge that community does not require chemistry. Chemistry is that space when you look at somebody and, and, and they, they, you have something in common, and so then you're like, oh, you own Blundstones? Me too. Oh, you climate movement? Me too. Oh, you're five foot six? Me too. I, I don't know, whatever your thing is, right? Like, oh, you love Asian food? Me too. So you have all these different things, chemistry, all your stage of life. Oh, you have kids? Me too. Oh, you haven't slept in six months? Me either. Like, you have all of those things. Chemistry is great, and we love it. And most people, when they're looking for community, they're looking for chemistry, and, it, and it's great. But we, we over and over again want to emphasize that the, the invitation from Jesus into community does not require chemistry. It's why we don't have a young marrieds group and an over-50s group and a small children group. on part, like We don't structure our family like that. We just let it be kind of free market on purpose to build community with different ages and stages of life. Because practicing the way of Jesus together does not require chemistry. The 12 dudes that Jesus invites here were, had anything but chemistry. They had hostility, okay? At least you don't have that. And so I, we just want to acknowledge, hey, chemistry is, it can be built over time. And it often is built over time. That you, if you gather every week in someone's home for the course of, of, of the next four months between now and the summer, there's a really good chance that one to three people become closer knit in your circle. They're the people that you do things, you know, start living life with all of that. So it just, take, it just takes time, but we just want to encourage you in that. Um, we also acknowledge, hey, you can't have community without commitment. Would you guys agree? It's, like, it's just really hard to build community when you're inconsistent. Um, and we would also argue that, that it works backwards as well. My inconsistency actually sabotages the other effort that's being brought to the community of those working hard to build it. Um, in addition, we would, this is probably... One of the hardest pieces is that transformation in community is going to be equally connected to our ability to show up in vulnerability and allow people to hold us in accountability. So if we want to experience transformation in a city group, in our lives, the level of vulnerability and accountability I, I allow will equally impact my formation. If I show up every week, and every time we pray, and every time we ask a question, and every time we share, I just give you the 50% of my life Instagram reel that's going really, really well, that's fine. But the things that are broken and the things that need to change, they will not grow and change. And so we wanna be a safe community of people that come together and we're honest and open about where we need to grow and where we're struggling, where we need encouragement, and then the community serves each other well in that space. And lastly, we just encourage you that community takes time. It just takes time. And here's what I would tell you. Even if you, like, you have six months in Boulder, we would argue that is six months well invested if you can make this kind of commitment. It takes time, but God still uses it over the course of six months to do incredible things. And you look back over a year and two years and five years, who have you become because of the people around you? You guys tracking with me? Feel good about it? Community is important. You, you agree? Okay, that's, that's all I'm really getting at today. Shocker. Okay, all right, let's move on because, because it can't stop there, right? The goal is not just family. Here's where we get in trouble. We, we love this idea. You're like, yeah, close-knit people, and all of a sudden we're following Jesus together, and I'm growing, and we're deep family is being built, and, and it's awesome. Chemistry starts to be built, and you love that, and if we're not careful, we get stuck right there. We get stuck right in, yes, Let's build family. And then if a new person walks in and they experience this community, one of the most consistent words people use is, man, I feel so welcome here. That's great that that happens. But we cannot stop 
at family because that, that wasn't the only goal. Jesus didn't be like, hey, let's just, yeah, let's make a really cool club together. Jesus invited them alongside him into mission. And so let me make it very, very clear. Here at City Church, when you join a city group and when you join the team and you begin to serve on weekends, all that stuff, that's great and it's so important. But the goal is not family. The goal is family on mission. One more time. The goal is not family that's stopping short. The goal is family on mission. I've heard it said this way, I have no idea who said it, but the church of God does not have a mission, but God's mission has a church. Does that make sense to you? So here's what, here's what happens. You and I, we come together, we're like Legos. Here my Duplos, okay, check it out. Asher was building this really cool, epic monster Duplo thingy the other day, and I got inspired with an analogy, okay? So this is you and me. Which Lego do you wanna be? Blue. Confident. I know who I am in the family of God. All right, very good. All right, so you, you have these Legos that come together, and, and the idea is, okay, so Jesus is like, yo, I'm the foundation. So you're like, all right, cool. Me and Jesus, we get connected. But then right next to you, he sticks somebody else, and you're like, yo, what's up with that, right? Like, and all of a sudden, he starts building, and this family starts to build, right? And so then you look up, and you got all the, and, and so, so family's being built, and you all are Legos, and you're coming together, and Jesus is the foundation. I don't have the foundation piece, but you guys are tracking with me, right? And then you're being connected together, which is really cool, yeah? Sometimes. <laughs> it depends. Um, and so, so you're being connected together, which is really, really cool. So Asher's building this epic house, okay? And so we see God building the church up and take all these people and put them together, and Jesus is the foundation. It's kind of cool, yeah? And then Asher is a genius, and he takes his amazing um, um, building that he's doing, and then he puts wheels on every corner. He has this mega ship, awesome tank thingy, and then he's got wheels on all four corners, and I'm like, that's what I'm talking about, dude. That's how we do it, right? And it's mobile, right? So the idea is, like, this is great, right? to build each other up, to come together, to be in large groups and small groups, to be encouraged, to share what's going on in your life, like to hold on. It's, it's wonderful to be connected to Jesus and one another. But we can't stop here because the family has a mission. Come on, it's got wheels. It's mobile. It's a mobile home. All right, anyway, um, the idea is very simply, right, that Jesus is not just building City Church for the sake of City Church. But there are 93,000 people in our city who don't have a relationship with Jesus currently. Are not necessarily waking up looking for a relationship with Jesus. Probably don't even care about your church or your faith or anything. And that's fine. But Jesus deeply loves them. And so he has not only called you to a family and into a way of life, but then he is sending you into the world around you so that you can help other people experience that same love, not only through your words and your actions, but you can actually introduce them to the God of love. So it can't stop short. Now here's the last one, the last version, and we're done. So Jesus goes up on the mountainside, calls to him those whom he desired. That's our foundation. They come to him, which is great. Volitional decision here. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, and that he would send them out to preach or to proclaim the good news, to make known this good news to others around us. And so, again, it's, it's not just being with Jesus, it's being with Jesus together, and it's practicing the way of Jesus, doing the Jesus stuff. So post-Easter, we have an entire series dedicated to doing the Jesus stuff as we continue to flesh this out. 
But here's the, here's the deal. When it comes, again, we're asking, how do we change? I've told you, okay, part of it is setting our attention and our affection on something good enough to give our lives to. That's Jesus. Then you need community around you that brings you back to that. You need accountability. You need encouragement. Otherwise, you so easily fall off the bandwagon and willpower loses all of its steam and momentum. So you've got to have community. But lastly, we have to have practices. The things we do do things to us. Would you agree? What we do, we become. Dallas Willard said it this way, that grace is opposed to trying, not training. That, that you and I are not trying to impress God with the way that we live. We're not stirring up his affection like, look at me, God, aren't you impressed? Do you love me now? No. He loved you way before that, before you ever even gave him a second thought. He has loved you. And it's that love that changes us but then he invites us into a way of life that continues to change us. Practice. Grace is not opposed to try, um, uh, grace is opposed to trying, but not training. St. Augustine said it this way. He said, without God, we cannot. But without us, God will not. We partner with God in change. Who are you becoming? Alongside Jesus and community, we can become people of love. Anybody, anybody marathon runners in the room? A couple of them? You guys suck. All right, cool. So uh, um, you're also very cool. Um, the only reason I have to run is if a bear is chasing me. That's it. That's all I got. Um, so I've got a couple of people I've watched run marathons over the last you know, couple of years, and it's really cool to watch like them be progressively become the kind of people that run marathons. For the rest of us in the room that not raise our hands, let's just say, like, I'm doing signups right now. Everybody that wants to run a marathon with me right at the church, let's go. Lace up the shoes. We'll start right out the door. And about six miles in, we're just going to have to have ambulances ready to pick us up, right? Like, because all of us are going to be dying. You might not be the kind of person that can run a marathon, and simple willpower, a desire like, yeah, I'm going to do it, doesn't give you any more ability to walk out the doors and run 26.2 miles, does it? Most of us are not the kinds of people that can run a marathon. Yet. <laughs> or ever. <laughs> the idea is you could become the kind of person that runs a marathon, yes? Yeah. But it's not by trying really hard, is it? That won't get you very far. But training every day can help you become the kind of person over time that could indeed run a marathon. But guess what? 26.2 miles still sucks, okay? It doesn't become easy. You just become the kind of person that has the capacity to live that way. Does that make sense to you? So when Jesus invites us to practice his way, there are disciplines, there are things that we can do to train into the kind of character kind of responses, kind of thought life, shape our lives in that direction. But let me give you a better example because you might not be inspired to be a marathon runner. In a similar way, for most of us, being told to live with, without anxiety sounds just as impossible as someone saying, go run a marathon right now. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, the scriptures are clear, do not be anxious. But how, how, how well is it working for you to try really hard not to be anxious? Ah, it's done. It's gone. Well done. 
<laughs> Never. You're like, ah, oh, I thought about it more. <laughs> oh, no. You can't do it. Or stop being angry or overcome your fear. People pleasing, right? We really struggle. You can't do it yet. If you're a follower of Jesus, how do you live without worry? Let, let me give you a quote from Comer's book, Practicing the Way. He says, how do you live without worry? We have to become the kinds of people who have learned to trust God so deeply that we become free of fear. And to do that, we must train and retrain our minds and our bodies. So yes, you, you need to listen to a good sermon on Matthew 6 on anxiety and, and get a vision for why, why you would want to live in a different way. But then you also adopt the practice of Sabbath where you set an aside an entire 24-hour period of time where you practice trusting God by resting. And then you adopt the practice of spending time in the secret place every day with Jesus where you learn to every day lay your fears at God's feet. And then you live in community on a weekly basis where others encourage you to trust in God and pray for you and encourage you throughout the week. And you practice generosity to free your heart from empty loves and on and on and on. You have all these practices and you train yourself to become the kind of person that does not worry. But it takes a long period of time and anxiety is gradually replaced by peace and trust in an unshakable God. Does this make sense to you? This is how you change. And this is just as true in James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, that has nothing to do with Jesus and your neurobiology as it is with the writers of the New Testament scriptures. So, let me, let me encourage you. Practicing the way of Jesus together in Boulder. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did. It's all possible but it's not inevitable. It's not just gonna happen to you. We just set our attention and our intention and our affection in that direction, and then we have to have a plan and a community that helps us. And so there's God time plans in the lobby, and we've done a lot of work over the last year to just equip you to spend time with Jesus daily. Next week, I'm doing a teaching on, practice, uh, on the practice of silence and solitude to equip us in that space. And then the week after, I'm doing a teaching on Sabbath, life beneath the surface, to help us get some practices in our, into our DNA to become these kinds of people. We're doing a fast together. I'll, I'll give you that information real fast. This is another practice of giving up food and other things in our lives to create a hunger in ourselves and pointing that hunger toward God and his plans and purposes for our life. So we're starting a fast. You need this on your radar. Just an invitational, 21 days, a, a rhythm, if you will, kind of counter what um, uh, the, the quote that I gave you at the beginning of this message, right? We, we have disoriented rhythms, and so then we put new rhythms into place. 21-day rhythm of fasting, January 29th through February 18th. Your groups are going to be doing that together. It's a great place to have accountability. For me, I'm going to be giving up food on Wednesdays and Fridays and, and probably alcohol for the whole 21 days, just as my personal space of uh, uh, maybe coffee too, but that sounds terrible. The idea is giving up a few things to create a hunger, which I'm absolutely going to have, and then I point that in the direction of Jesus and who I'm becoming. So there's a rhythm like that. These are the types of practices. You guys tracking with me? They influence who we're becoming. So as we wrap it up, all of this teaching aims at our hearts. Community brings accountability. 
practice gets into us and out of us. But it all is in partnership with God through the power of the Holy Spirit over time. The lie that you and I live in in this digital age is that life, especially progress in life, the formation that we expect to have in life, is easy, fast, and controllable. You can door dash dinner, and you can instantly stream anything you want on the device in your pocket, and you can have anything you want from Amazon in two days on your doorstep, and easy, fast, and controllable is the lie of the culture you live in. And the reality is formation into the image of Jesus is anything but that. It's hard, it's slow, and one of the realizations is that we are not in control. And so there's no killer app, there's no quick fix into the way of Jesus, there's no shortcuts. The formation of our lives is more like growing a vineyard than it is ordering takeout. And so we're committing together to practice the way of Jesus in Boulder. So here's our next steps. A couple of quick reflection and practice moments for you. I gave you this last week. This is what we call the 5% life. And this is just organizing your life around the practices of Jesus. These are a starting place, okay? So wherever you are, we would encourage you to, to pick up the practices of getting alone. This is spending time with J Jesus daily. Picking up the scriptures, using the tools in the lobby for you. Get together, time spent weekly in, in a gathering. Well done, you did it again. Woo, come on, that's great. This is, I, I know it seems silly, but prioritizing this space does a lot for you and for others. Using your gifts, signing up to serve on a team, all of that is amazing. Getting close, it's time spent weekly in a city group. I'd encourage you to join a city group if you're not in one already. If you're in one, you're, you're already committing to the four C's and looking forward to the semester. I'm excited for you. I would also encourage you, if you're in a city group and you love it and God is stirring in you to do more, then I would also encourage you to start dreaming about starting a city group of your own, letting us come alongside you and empowering you in that because there's always more opportunity to share that life-giving community with others. And we're often outpacing uh, our need for community with the opportunity of uh, facilitators to step in there. And then lastly, to get out, to spend time weekly living on mission where we live, work, and play. To pay attention. I was talking to Jake this morning. We were praying together. He's like, man, I want, I'm asking for prayer over how to, how to be a light in my workplace as he works at Google. I'm like, yeah, hey, that's a great posture. So then what practices come alongside that to help us as we pray, live, to introduce our friends and neighbors and coworkers and relatives to Jesus? So this might seem like a lot, it's, it's not really in the scope of a week. My invitation for you would be, hey, how, how's this going? If this is a starting place, what's easy for you? What's a real struggle? How can we help? It's all invitational. I'm not forcing your hand at anything. If you're wrestling on your spiritual journey, man, you're just invited into it all, okay? Let me pray for you, and then we're going we're gonna to respond with a couple of songs. As you bow your heads, close your eyes, this is just a moment of reflection and listening. Holy Spirit, what is it that you're saying to us today? What is it that you want us to do individually? And then who are we becoming together? Jesus, we invite you over the next uh, couple of moments just, just to continue to lead us into places of action and practice that we would not only listen to you, 
that you would shape us to become like you and we'd be the kind of people that start to do what you did if you were us in our season and stage of life. So God, I pray for my friends in the room as they wrestle with and be prioritizing some time with you daily in prayer and the scriptures for the first time or reprioritizing it for the thousandth time or trying to figure out what it looks like to do it with small children in the house or maybe it's not even they don't that, that, that having that time is an issue but going to bed on time is actually the struggle that's competing and would they have encouragement and accountability around them pray for some of my friends in the room who are just wrestling with what it means to put roots down into city church would you make it clear if this is a family that they were supposed to join and contribute both internally and on mission to make your love known in the world around us, but also to experience and grow into a personal love inside of community? Some of my friends in the room, their next steps are just to go through growth track and to, to learn more about what it means to be a part of this family. For some of my friends in the room, God, uh, maybe they made the decision to follow you, to trust in you, to save and forgive and make new, but they need to take a next step in baptism to celebrate externally, Jesus, what you do inside of us when we trust in you. You save us, you set us free, you make us new, but then you, you command us to celebrate that decision through obedience and baptism. And some of my friends, they've just never taken that step, they've never been baptized. And it's a celebration not only to life in you, but life in community that we're following Jesus together. So would you give them the courage to do that? For this, others of us, we, we're just wrestling with, with the role of community. Maybe we've got some pain, we've got some hurt, we've got some question marks and what ifs, some, some timidity in our hearts and minds around just, just not opening ourselves up to the pain of community. So Jesus, I pray that, that you would help us to discern appropriately, to listen to you, to trust in you, and then to obey. Help us to realize the gift of community, that we are gifts to be given and others are gifts around us that we are to receive. And help us to remember that even when we show up and we're just barely falling in the door and a big part of us doesn't even want to be there, that's still a gift. And you use those spaces as well as the incredible intention when we feel like we're at 100%. And lastly, Jesus, I pray that you would help the, the mission stay in front of us. That there are tons of people in our city who don't yet know you. But because of this family, they can know you. They will know you. So would you fill us with your Spirit's power? Give us boldness and allow us to be intentional in the way that we love and share and proclaim the good news. Whatever else, God, we're walking through, and would you use this community to meet each other in that space? It's in Jesus' name. Amen.